Hello and welcome to the Streamcast. I'm Andrew Ryan and I'm joined with Frank Fontaine. Lovely stuff. And uh, this is pod number 40. So let's get some dubs for the big milestone as we prepare for the launch of the PS5. If you are in the UK like we are, you have to wait an extra week. Um, but Very upsetting. <laughs> It'll be it'll be worth it when we get our hands on the uh, fifth generation Sony console. We want to talk about our journey through PS One through to Four, and talk about how games have evolved, what our favorite games were, what our first games were on each generation. So um, we're going back to the nineties. Uh, yeah, the PlayStation One, the beautiful gray console. Actually, I've never asked you this question before, but was the PS1 your first ever console? Mm, That's a really, really good question. Uh, Are we talking, like, console in general or, like, home console? Or, like, can it be a split between handheld and home console? Yeah, so I'm including handheld consoles as well. Handheld as well. I, I can't quite remember, but it was either the PS1... Or the Game Boy Color, that was my first home console. No, no, do you know what? Scrap that. I think it had to have been the PS1 because I got the original white PS1, um, but I didn't have a TV that had the um, the red, white, and yellow cable. Mm. Uh, it was just like the old TVs with the back-offs. And I think <laughs> it only had two ports, and they were... They weren't even the same size. So I think we got it to the point where, like, you could hear sound. You could hear sound coming, but it was, like, no picture. So mom had to return it, and I was very devastated. And then, I, I don't know why. I guess the disappointment just got to me as a kid. I never brought it back up again. I just kind of lived my life. But then my godmother's son, I think, or, like, son-in-law, was getting rid of their PlayStation but, like, the original one uh, with, like, the fans and everything. Um, and by this point, like, my mom got me, like, a like a TV for my room, a really small one, but that had the red, white, and um, uh, yellow cable. Yeah, so got that. Came with, like, a lot of games because, like, you know, he was a gamer. Um, and then, yeah, that was my first console. But in between the original white one and the grey one, I think I got a Game Boy Color, so it's hard to say what my first official console really was. The first one got returned, then I got the Game Boy Color, and then I got the the, the gray one. So it's one of the two. It's the Game Boy or the, the PlayStation one, but both great consoles. Yeah, it's a bit of a technicality, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I never knew that before. So yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess you could call the PS1 your first console. Oh, I guess so. Oh, so it, was an, it was an unrequited love, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Very one-sided. <laughs> what about yourself? Um, so I think I may have discussed this on a previous pod that my first console was the Dreamcast. Um, yes, I remember this. Really early on, I asked my dad for a PS1 for Christmas and uh, I must have been unclear because he brought home a Dreamcast. So, um, yeah, so I... <laughs> <laughs> I unwrap my present, I find it's a Dreamcast, and I'm like, yay! 
No, but you can't say that as a kid, though. You got to no, be grateful. You got to smile it. and move on. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I put I plugged in the Dreamcast to the TV, and yeah, uh, my brother and I started playing games. I think the first game we played was Virtual Fighter Three. So um, my parents were really focused on making sure that we had multiplayer games when we were growing up, so no one was left out, which obviously was a great move. Yeah, and Virtual Fighter kind of stuck with us because all of the characters spoke their native tongue. For some reason, the characters could understand every language on the planet. That was fine. But obviously, we couldn't understand. There were no subtitles that we could find. Uh, the main character, Akira Yuki, is Japanese. So he would speak Japanese after winning a match. And then my brother and I would look at each other like, did you understand that? And he'd be like, no. <laughs> and like, all right, cool, let's pick someone else. <laughs> So we really bonded over that game. We also really loved the hell out of Crazy Taxi. That was a really fun game. And I think that's where a lot of games um, like Road Rage, Hit and Run, GTA kind of take influence from. Yeah, the the Dreamcast had so many great games. Uh, I could go on. Sonic Adventure, absolute classic. And then there was this really weird game. I think we both played it at EGX. I think it was Ready to Rumble. Was that the Uh, boxing one? Yeah, that was a boxing Mm. one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, think fight night, but, like, everyone's, like, four guys as well. Everyone's flopping about. Their, their limbs are all long and stuff. But, yeah, I didn't get the PS1 until after the Dreamcast. Quite interesting how I kind of went back again. <laughs> Would you say uh, the Dreamcast was your dream console? Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, I appreciate that dead joke. Thank you. And <laughs> second of all, yeah, it was. Yeah, like, I... You know, sometimes we think we know what's best for us and, you know, sometimes we're wrong and, you know, sometimes someone else needs to show us that there is something better than what we actually want for ourselves. And, you know, having played the uh, the PS1 after, I can confidently say the Dreamcast was just the more fun console. And I'm glad I got that first. So, yeah, I'm very thankful to my dad for that. Sweet. I think that's what it's all about, though. Like, as long as you're having fun, it doesn't... It doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a, a wild example, but like, if you gave me a PS5 and all the games were dead, and you gave me a PS1 and all the games were banging, I'm picking the PS1. Actually, that's a lie. I'll pick the PS5, sell it, and then just buy a PS1. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm, I'm going to the PS1. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, the object. The, the objective of, uh, of yeah the objective of playing a game is to have fun and if you're not having fun then I I, I think you're playing the wrong console or the wrong game so mm-hmm. yeah definitely had fun playing the Dreamcast um, and I really hope Sega release a Dreamcast Mini because I will buy that I think we're gonna get it like Minis just seem like the new standard yeah just don't and... follow in the footsteps of PS One. <laughs> I was gonna say, considering Sega released the um, Sega uh, Mega Drive Mini, which was mm. really well received, I think the Dreamcast Mini will do well. But this is a, more of a PlayStation appreciation pod. So, mm. Isaac, what was your first ever PS One game? Do you remember your first ever PS One game? First ever game. This is a hard one as well because there was a game bought with the first PS One. And I think it might have been a Spyro game. I don't know. I can't remember. But with the grey one, I think it was Micro Machines. 
Um, and it was this game where you know you played as a toy car, but you played as a toy car where kids would play with toy cars. So like there'd be a racetrack on the dining table, and you'd have to like drive over bread, uh, and like do jumps over butter, and then drive up like a really thin uh, knife and try not to fall off the track. Um, you you drive around like a little like a park. But like obviously you're a little car, so the park seems like massive. It's like this jungle, and it was a really fun concept. Uh, the characters, however, they were very stereotypical characters. Um, I think they're more caricatures than anything else. Uh, I remember there just being like a like a Jamaican guy, um, just had a Jamaican accent, uh, and at the time, like it wasn't a big deal. And do you know what? Even looking back on it now, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, I feel like I'll play the game again, though. I'll be a bit upset. I'll be like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> but <laughs> play it. Hmm? A bit sus. Maybe a bit sus. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back on it, because a lot of the time when you like look back on things you played as a kid, they haven't really aged well. And you realize, <laughs> oh, no. But I, I think this game might have been safe. Um <laughs> It was just a lot of fun. Uh, it would have been better, you know, two-player, um, but, you know, like, only child. Uh, and it was annoying because, like, when I got it, I got, like, four controllers with the PS1, um, but it was, it was just me. So I was like, ah, oh, this, <laughs> this is a bit crappy. But um, things are better now. Things have changed. Uh, I can have friends over now because I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. What about you? What was your first game? So... Yeah, I mentioned that I got a PS1 later on mm. in life. Um, I was still pretty young, uh, um, but it was actually secondhand. So back in the day, uh, my parents uh, had fr- were friends of other parents. And um, yeah, we'd, we'd be left to like talk with the, the kids of the other parents and we became friends that way. And uh, the, the father of the other parent side mm. uh, basically had a ps1 and he didn't have the time to play it anymore because he had two girls so yeah he just offered us the ps1 and we, we took it and yeah that, that's how that came about um so we got all the games that he had as well the first game i remember putting in the ps1 was formula one i think that's a game i think that's an actual game. it might be yeah. formula 2000 or something but it was a racing game and yeah, again, we, we bonded over that as well. I think that's what started my brother's love for cars and motors and all of that stuff. He really mm-hmm. loves racing. He just loves all of that stuff. So um, that was a really good opportunity for us to bond over. Um, so I really liked the, the fighting games and and he really liked the racing games and the sporty games. So um, we, we each had our special type of games and like we, all, we would always play with each other. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was always a, a great time. Uh, so yeah, cool. Nice. I'm really glad you elaborated on that because, like, I cannot imagine you as a as a racer when it comes to gaming. Like, I've just never seen you like talk about it, mention it, buy one. It's like, hold on, what? Um, okay, yeah. cool. There's so many games that I haven't spoken about, but I really love, like, all of the Burnout games. Like, I think the first two or three Burnout games I was really into. Um, yeah, when we get into the PS2 start part, like there's so many games to talk about. I guess it's not my favorite genre of gaming, but I, I do love a good racing game. Makes sense, fair enough. Yeah, no, and to like go on that, the PS2 has just got an amazing library of games. Like it's just so good. You could pick up a PS2 today 
and have like the time of your life for a good two years solid like yeah. just that many games uh when it comes to the ps1 what would you say was your favorite game uh spyro 3 100 percent spyro 3 it was i f- think it may have been the only game on ps1 that had like a story i actually enjoyed um i think all the games on ps1 i had just didn't really have a narrative behind it like pushing it forward um so like i think i had fifa 2000 which is a lot of fun even now <laughs> oh no that's a lot i had spider-man but do you know what spider-man compared to spider-man now like i think it's just, <laughs> just aged poorly yeah. for me like i enjoyed it as a kid don't get me wrong um, although there was one level that really upset me it was in the museum and i had no idea how to progress like i defeated everything in there i touched everything in there and it didn't i didn't clock that when you beat the enemies in this stage, like their their carcasses are left behind. Now, me as a what seven year old boy, um, didn't think to to pick up the body of the deceased and throw it into a generator to break said generator so I could continue the level. I just left the body there because it's dead. Just just leave it alone. Um, that's what I had to do. I had to pick up these carcasses and just the... so um yeah, I was stuck on that level for ages. But to get back to my point. Um, or Spyro 3, because I think I just really enjoyed the narrative, um, the gameplay, and there was just a lot to do. Uh, there was lots of, like, really wacky enemies. Um, the story was a lot of fun. It's an insomniac game, so, you know, the story's great, the dialogue's great, the humor's great. And, you know, like, certain characters, so one of them was Moneybags, and you would have to, to like, pay him to, to do little things, like free your friends from captivity so you could play as them on other levels. Um, fix a bridge so you could continue the level, open portals so you could go to new worlds. This man was a scumbag. <laughs> the world we're living in is literally dying and all he's thinking about is making a profit. Um, he's the original corporation, basically. <laughs> uh, but the best thing is at the end of the game, actually, this is a spoiler for anyone who... I mean, the game is really old, so if you're a Spyro fan, you've probably beaten it. Um, and if you're not, you probably just don't care. But at the end, right... Um, in the final level, you get to attack him and he drops all of the money that you've had to pay him throughout the whole game. And then he finally drops like an egg, which is like a collectible in the game as well. And it's just so satisfying because like you're having a dialogue option with him and he's like, I'm going to go retire now. I've made all my money, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, Spyro, why are you looking at me like that? And that's your cue to attack him. And mm, so satisfying. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Spyro 3, great narrative, uh, great gameplay. And just a lot of fun as a kid and you could go skateboarding so it's dope yeah why not? yeah so yeah there, there, there are quite a lot of ps1 games that i have fond memories of uh, one that i was never able to complete was power rangers time force i mm. can't remember what level i got stuck on i think it was like a prehistoric level i went back to the time of dinosaurs and there was a platform i just couldn't reach and then yeah eventually i just started playing another game um but it was, <laughs> it was a good game for what it was. Um, mm. Also, there is um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories. That was a really fun game. That game banged. Oh, my goodness. That game was so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but it was broken as well. Because yeah. if you just got... Because there was no like summoning limit or restriction. You could just drop like a level 10 card and not care. And the worst part was you could drop it like face down attack mode. Someone attacks into it. 
well, they've lost for the entire game now because yeah. they've got nothing on the field and it'll be your turn because, like, back in the day, the game was made before Yu-Gi-Oh! rules were, like, fully established. So, like, it was only one card per turn and that was it. So if you lost the card on your opponent's turn, you were done. There was no coming back. Yeah, great game. Shadow Games, fam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was a really fun game, really great music. But I think mm. if I had to pick an absolute favorite or a game that uh, comes to mind when I think about the PS1, it's Simpsons Wrestling. And <laughs> I know that it's not a highly rated game. People don't like this game, but I found it so fun. Like this is another game that my brother and I, my brother and I played, mm. and um, yeah, it was just so much fun. Um, so of course it incorporates the, the wackiness of wrestling. Um, but, and it, it's, it got all of the Simpsons characters or a lot of the, uh, main cast from the Simpsons in. So you can fight as Lisa, as Marge, and I think Maggie is a weapon. You can, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, I think Marge also uses a, a frying pan. So that's where Guts got his, you know, idea from. Oh, so Marge is the OG Guts, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marge is OG Guts. Yeah, makes sense. Um, sense. Barney would um, use his beer glass as a weapon, and like he could burp, and his burp was like poisonous gas. So if you walk to that gas, like you'd lose health. And I think my favorite enemy was I can't remember if it's Mr. Burns or Smithers, but it's one of the two. I think it's Smithers you fight, and then Mr. Burns is throwing money bombs. So he's going back to one, and then whatever they hit, it just makes a bomb. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, and, like, when I'm, like, what, seven or eight, I don't really care about all, all of this story stuff or all of these hours or, you know, side quests. No, I just want to have fun, in it? Pick up the game, play it, and drop it in 30 minutes or, what, you know, three hours. Yeah, so uh, since it's wrestling for me, and I saw someone play it uh, recently, and I was just like, yeah, this game's fun. <laughs> it's still fun. <laughs> nice, nice. We should do like a Simpsons wrestling stream or something. That would be so funny. Just going like, blind, just all the it, jokes. It doesn't follow the rules of wrestling at all. Nice. As long as your opponent's on the floor, you can pin them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does it have rope breaks at least? So like I someone grabs the rope. Oh, goodness. I think so. The ropes are just, you know, there to stop people from getting in, in it. <laughs> Yeah, and like, like when if you did enough damage, um, mm. you would, I think it's I can't remember what word it spells, but there's a word in your corner, and then when that's full, you can like you say a quote, and then you're in like your super powered mode, and that's uh, where you tend to win the match. Yeah, so, oh, nice. So it was similar to Ready to Rumble, where you're trying mm. to get Rumble in your corner, and then you could had you you had the opportunity to knock out your opponent, similar to that. You know, I wouldn't mind a Simpsons wrestling remake, like from the ground up, fix any bugs it has, just streamline it. I would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear it was a buggy game. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just like, you know, fix all that and just give us more season one to 10 Simpsons, the best Simpsons. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the PS2. In my opinion, the console with the greatest library of all time. Yeah, I can't fight that. The best-selling console of all time with 155 million units sold, and it's possibly more than that. Did it sell the DS? I know that had like 100 and something thousand. 
Yeah, so the DS had like 154. Oh, the DS just missed out. Oh, yeah. The, the PS2 has at least 155, so it's probably... Yeah. Do you think the PS4 will catch it? Nah. Or do you think... Do you nah, think I the think... Switch will catch it? Oh, that's a shout. Um, I don't think the Switch is touching the PS2, no. Not at all. I mean, it's on 60-something right now. It's only like halfway through its life. Yeah, but I think 155 is a lot. And there's so many different choices and options for gamers now, whereas back then there weren't yeah. that many. Uh, so I think that's definitely had a part to play. I don't. I think Switch will break 100 million, but I don't think it will get 150. Fair. You might be right. And to be fair, like, the... The second-hand market exists, and I think that might affect sales as well because people might just get like a second-hand console. I don't think that's reflected in sales. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, as we go into the PS2, do you remember your first PS2 game? I think so. I don't know if this is the first one, but it is the game... Do you know what? I don't think it is the first one because I think I remember asking my mum to get this game for me. Nonetheless, I don't remember what my first game is. So I'm going to have to go with this game. Uh, and that's The Simpsons Hit and Run. Which... Oh. Oof. Such a good know. game. It's For me personally, it was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece. Because it wasn't the the gta aspects of it that made it a good game it was the fact that it was a great simpsons game so all throughout the town you had like gags so these little things you could interact with and it'd be like a a reenactment from a scene in the simpsons or a quote you'd have all these collector cards you could collect and they'd be like you know just quotes from the show you could go throughout all of Springfield and visit iconic locations. So you could go to um, Frank's laboratory. You go to Krusty Lou Studios. You could you go to the bowling alley. You could go to the Simpsons household. You couldn't go into Ned Flanders' house, but it was there. You could go to the Quickie Mart. You could go to the old folks' home. You couldn't actually go in, but it was there. You could go to the playground. You could do everything. You could go into the nuclear power plant. You could go into Mr. Burns' office. It was, it was everything that every Simpsons fan needed. If you wanted to like have an interactive version of Simpsons, that was your go-to game. And like it was written by I think I think it was written by the writers. I'm pretty sure it was written by the writers. And it had a the full voiceover support. So when you played this game, it just felt like you were playing a really, really long episode of The Simpsons. It had a just it had a great plot. Um the story was amazing. And everything just tied together really, really nicely. And all the characters were themselves. It was Bart did what Bart would normally do. Apu did what Apu would normally do. Marge did what Marge would normally do. You couldn't play as Maggie because Maggie's a baby and she can't drive. Like, Simpsons have to follow the rules to to some extent, even though Lisa and Bart were driving. But, I mean, I mean, come on. Like, you, you could let a kid drive at eight. It's just frowned upon. <laughs> you could. Yeah. They could do it. You shouldn't really. <laughs> you shouldn't, but I mean, they could. Like, I think the only reason why they're not allowed to is because they can't pay insurance. And they can't reach the brake pedal. Now, some of these kids are massive, bruv. 
Like, I'm walking past secondary school kids these days, and they're taller than me. I'm like, excuse me, son. Are you even working? How dare you? How dare you do this? <laughs> if you can be six feet tall, you can work. Yeah. Work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Simpsons Turn 1 was an absolute banger of a game. And for me, I think it was my favorite game on the PS2 altogether as well. Fair enough. Well, that, that's good. That clears up both questions on your end. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I think my first PS2 game, technically, I think it was one of the demo discs. So like back mm. in the day, there was like a magazine called Game Masters, and they'd tell you everything about the latest games coming out, what games are being developed, um, reviews of games that are released, and then you get a demo disc that had like maybe a couple of games and yeah, it was like the perfect way to try before you buy. Mm-hmm. And I think one of them had, I want to say Ratchet and Clank, because I then went on to get the full game Ratchet and Clank. And yeah, like that was a new experience for me. I really, really dug the the main character and the relationship with Clank. I really liked how everything was really, what's the word, light. So like there were guns and stuff and there was explosives, but it wasn't really violent. It wasn't grotesque. It wasn't over the top. Yeah. The blood. There was no like obscene, you know, death or anything. So I really enjoyed that as a kid, um, and you know, my my parents did as well. So they didn't ha- they didn't feel any type of way about me playing a game like that. So yeah, a game that didn't get me any stress from the parents was very very uh, good for me. So yeah, I think Ratchet and Clank's my first p- proper PS2 game. Ooh, when it comes to favorite game, though, this is where it becomes tough because there are so many that I can still remember. Uh, there's Tekken 4, which was my first Tekken game. Uh, I really dug uh, Jin Kazama there. I thought it was a really mm. cool character. Your parents okay with Tekken, though? Because that was a bit more violent, just ever so slightly. Yeah, it was a bit more violent, but um, I don't know. They just didn't have a problem with it. I know there was a limit. There, there was there were games that they just didn't like me playing, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it was a boundary that was unclear to me. But yeah, they were cool with Tekken. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so uh, you know what? I think it's because I grew up watching martial arts movies, and Tekken sure. kind of just looked like a playable yeah. version of arts movie. So um, while my dad grew up on Western movies, I grew up on Jet Li movies. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed those. Uh, I, th- I think Tekken was just a playable version of that. SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. Absolute great game. I think it's my favorite WWE video game to date. Yeah, I thought it was just really fun. The creative process behind um, creating a new character, give them a new finisher, taunts, the dress style. That was really um, freeing. Obviously, I didn't play these at the time, but obviously, God of War and God of War 2 were on the PS2 as well. So, anyone who was fortunate enough to play that on the PS2, kudos to you. Yeah, there's the GTA games. The Getaway was an absolute classic game on that console. That was uh, based in London, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically London GTA. Yeah, yeah that obviously. was I was really, really high on that game. I think if I'm going to pick an absolute favorite PS2 game, I'm going to have to say Budokai 3, which is a good choice. Thank you. It's a Dragon Ball Z Mm. game. It's a fighting game. So, of course, my brother and I are playing that. It's based off my favorite anime at the time. 
Yeah. Oh, at it, the time, what's changed? What's your favorite anime now? So my my favorite anime is either Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or Hunter Hunter. So I really like universes where it's not just whoever screams the loudest is the strongest. Mm. There's a lot of intelligence woven into the storylines, and every uh, fight means something. And the main character mm. win every fight. It's all about progression, and um, it's an interesting tale. Both both stories are well, very interesting for me. But yeah, Dragon Ball Z Budokai 3, uh, yeah, based off my favorite anime, it goes from the Saiyan saga to the Buu saga, but then there's Dragon Ball stuff with Kid Goku, and mm. there's a question for King Piccolo, and then it goes to GT with Super Saiyan 4 Goku, Vegeta, Gogeta, and Omega Shenron. And yeah, that kind of stuff is really cool. And they included movies with Bardock and Broly. Mm-hmm. And that was my first introduction to Broly. And I thought it was a badass because I never watched the movie. Oh, I played the game before I watched the movie. So I thought Broly was sick. His levels of Super Saiyan 3. All right, let's go. Get this guy in the anime. Um, yeah, it was just really exciting. I think Budokai 3 was the first Dragon Ball Z game that actually felt like it encapsulated what Dragon Ball Z is. So colorful blasts. Uh, you know, screaming transformations, um, the quick teleports that was also cool. There's a lot of strategy involved with um, the capsules you can equip to each character because you can equip up to seven per character and they can be anything from transformations to attack moves to senzu beans, and um, they all affect the character differently. So that part was really cool. Having to buy people via capsules was really cool. Um, learning how to unlock characters was cool as well. So, like, um, there was a special way to get Cooler, who's also in the game, and there's a mm. special way to get Omega Shenron. Can I just say that um, I thought that Cooler was a uh, cooler than Omega Shenron. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Yeah, I have yeah, to put that yeah. in there. I need, to get, I need to get a dad joke count in this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so that was that was really cool. I, I I'm a big fan of Cooler, by the way. Yeah, I thought it was really cool in those yeah. two movies. Um, he's the Cooler brother. <laughs> yes, yes, the yes. brothers. I mean, it's the same joke, so it's not going to go up on the count. Yeah, but this one is better. One. <laughs> I should have waited. I should have waited. Um, yeah, it, it was really fun. You know, uh, the Dragon Universe story mode was you flying about the the world or Namek, and you know, finding Dragon Balls. And um, yeah, that was really that was a really cool way of uh, going through the story. I really liked just the look. Yeah, everything from Broly's meteor shell or um, whatever it's called to um, Gotenks Super Ghost Kamikaze attack. Yeah, such a really fun game. The only thing I wish was that it had something from Budokai Two. So um, Budokai 2 had a great board game story mode, which is great, but I'm not mad at that being not being in Budokai 3, but I wish that the Tiencha fusion made it in. Yeah. Tien and Yamcha confuse. Um, I wish that Goku made it in, which is Goku and Hercule with the Patara. And I also wish all of the absorptions of Super Buu made it in. So in Budokai 3, he can basically absorb anyone he did in the canon. So that's Gotenks, that's Piccolo, that's Gohan. Um, but in Budokai 2, he can also absorb Vegeta. He can absorb Freezer. He can absorb Cell. 
and he can also absorb Tientia, at which point he cries because he's <laughs> weaker. <laughs> so that was always funny. It was always random who he absorbed, so yeah, he always ran that risk. Off from the PS2 onto the PS3, which had probably the rockiest start to any PlayStation uh, console. Yeah, a bit dangerous uh, for them. Yeah, they started off two years after the Xbox 360, which didn't bode well. Uh, was it really two years? Yeah, because the 360, 360 got the jump and was released in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PS3 didn't come out till 2007. Well, Microsoft just undercut them massively. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, the Xbox came out with like Red Ring of Death. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't great either. So that might have helped Sony massively as well. Can't lie. Yeah, I think... Uh... Yeah, they, 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 I think the Red Ring of Death was definitely a byproduct of releasing so early. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember your first PS3 game? Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> what was so it? Remember, it was three, actually. One I never opened. So it was... I think it was the Simpsons game. It was FIFA Street 3 and Little Big Planet. But then I think Motorstorm might have been one of them. I'm not sure. So I know I had three games when I first got it, but I, I keep remembering those four, but I'm not too sure. But Fever Street 3 was definitely one of them. I would not have asked for that or wanted that by itself. <laughs> it was just the deal came with three games, seemed like the best value for money. Because Fever Street 3, just like everything that was great about the first two games, like EA just said, nah. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're we're going to do the the exact opposite. And I was like, nah, this, this isn't my FIFA Street. I don't want this. This is garbage. And I remember that being so annoying because like it was still like wrapped up. So I thought when I went to the shop to like trade it in, you know, they, they gave me a bit more for it. They just gave me the regular price for it. And I was pissed. I was like, this is a fresh game. How dare you? <laughs> um, but yeah, I traded all those three games in and I got a better game, Ultimate Ninja Storm 2. And oh. I was very happy with that decision. But I can't lie. Little Big Planet was a lot of fun, and so was Motorstorm. It's a pretty decent game, but yeah, I I did not enjoy my first games on PS3 that much. Uh, it was nice having the PS3, the whole experience, hearing the PS3 come on for the first time, finally getting a HDMI cable for the first time, and like seeing games in true next gen, well back then next gen. Because <laughs> I think I played the PS3 like without HDMI for a little bit. And then my mate got um, Modern Warfare 2, uh, and I got along with him because it seemed like, you know, the hot game. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then he got HDMI, and I got HDMI. And when I plugged in, I was like, oh, my goodness. Is this <laughs> what the console... I didn't know any better. It's what the console meant to look like. The console <laughs> looked absolutely amazing. But, yeah, uh, first game was three or four games, and I didn't like them that much. Fair it was a rocky start to my, you know, PS3 as well. Mm. What about you? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point because uh, further to being two years late to the, con- uh, to you know to the Xbox three hundred and sixty, it also released for four hundred and twenty five pounds, and no one was buying that at that time. Like my parents weren't spending that much on me, and I wouldn't want them to. So yeah, no, yeah, no one was buying that. And yeah, that first model was backwards compatible with PS two games. But they really started to like make a positive um, impression when they ditched that and 
went for a cheaper model of 300 pounds which was more understandable and mm -hmm. they started to get the the ball rolling um i don't know if i can remember my first ps3 game i think it might be dragon ball z burst limit um, oh that was a good game yeah i think budokai 3 was probably my last game on the ps2 um and i kind of just wanted more dragon ball z so yeah i just mm -hmm. got the thing but it's one of the prettiest dragon ball z games to date um it kind of played like budokai but a bit worse it was a bit more sloppy in my opinion there were some things that could have been worked on a bit more but um what can i say kenji yamamoto is so good at making music and stealing music for <laughs> because my my guy had an ear for music it's just a shame that music has already been published by other people so throughout budokai um and all of the dragon ball z games he was copywriting music from all sorts from x-men to stratovarius he he stole from so many different people and i'm surprised at how long it took to actually catch him like he was living life <laughs> like everyone was like raw the game is making better music than the anime why can't this be the anime ost raw this guy is sick and then you find out all that thank god he wasn't doing the anime ost <laughs> this would be under right now i would have ruined it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they had to change the music for Budokai HD collection when they re-released it in 2012. That upset me so yeah. much. I wished yeah. his scandal would have came out a little bit later. Because yeah. I never had Budokai 1, 2 or 3 on PlayStation 2. And then when I got the collection, apparently all the music had changed. So mm -hmm. I missed out on like the bangers that were in that game. And I think it's too late for me now. But I'm not getting a PS2. Yeah, like the only way for you to enjoy that is to actually get a PS2 and get that game. And then get a TV that can take the red yeah. wires. <laughs> and yeah, there's not much point in that. But yeah, you kind of do miss out if you don't get the original music because it is so good. Even though it's stolen, it's so good. So mm -hmm. many uh, stages had great OSTs like the Hyperbolic Time Chamber and Budokai 2. Yeah, it's just a shame. Yeah. But um, like, surely at least some of the music was original. It wasn't all just ripped off. Surely he put in some work. <laughs> so I think the, the theme songs were original. So like the verse yeah. was original, the Budokai 2 and 3 ones were original. But I think all of the um, the background music when you're fighting, I think that's all stolen. It was literally like there was at one point where it, every day was, this is who Kenji stole from. From <laughs> 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 this time. <laughs> yeah, it was such a... Oh. Know, it was not good. Also, he, yeah, go on. Also, I can't believe we didn't talk about FIFA Street when we were talking about PS2 games. What a great oh, game. Do you know what I mean? Such mm, a great game. So good. Sorry. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm ready to talk about FIFA Street now. The fact okay. that you could... I think in the first one, like, it gave you game breakers. Like, the game was already cool enough and you had these game breakers that they were literally game breaking. And then the second game, like, if you got a game breaker, you had the option to just take your shot or the more risky option... If you skilled up everyone on the team, and I think there were only four people on the team, or maybe five, four. or you only four or five, yeah. But I think you only had to do it to three people, um, and scored the goal. The team just left because because of the shame, and you just won <laughs> if you were that good. Nah, that game was so good, and the soundtrack was banging. Yeah, 
Oh, you know what? Simpsons Hit Run is is still my favorite, but <sighs> Fever it's Street, up there. Is, Fever Street up there. is up there. Yeah, yeah, it's hundred percent out there. It's such a great game. Yeah, so Burst Limit was actually my first PS3 game, and then I mm. traded it with a friend for Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm, which was way better. You won, yeah, yeah, you won hundred <laughs> percent. You finessed your mate. <laughs> nah. nah, I think it was a it was an agreement. Nah, 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 nah. You finessed him. It. He had finished Naruto and some engine story. Kanye wanted to sample the other game, which he could do uh, in the PS3. So, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you ever like trade back? No. You finessed him. No comment. Um, no. <laughs> um do you have a favorite PS3 game? Uh yeah. Ooh, you know, mm, I think I have one. But now that like there was the whole FIFA Street thing, because I clearly forgot a banger. I'm thinking, have I forgotten any bangers on the PS3? Like, Ultimate Ninja Storm, you're right, it was so good. Because I think in the Ninja Storm series, it is my favourite. But it's unfair, because obviously, with the original Naruto, the first, I think, 160 episodes, and you had the filler afterwards. But that game encompasses everything. So, like, everything from part one is there. Shippuden's, like, a lot longer. A lot more happens. So as much as I loved Ultimate Ninja Storm 2, Ninja Storm 3 kind of just continued on for it. And I'm very greedy. I wanted Ninja Storm 3 to be like everything from the start of Shippuden all the way to like where they were now. Um, and they just like continue on instead. Uh, so for me, like Ultimate Ninja Storm was like the full package. You could go around the village and the the open, open world traversal. I, I don't know, because... Two onwards kind of change it a little bit, but it felt the most complete in the first game, even though you could only be in the original village. Like, I don't think you could go to the, the sand village or anything. If you could, even better game. But I don't think you could. But it just felt like a more, like, complete experience for, like, a Naruto fan. And that's when I played the game in the height of, like, my Naruto love. So I was just, this is the best game ever made at the time. But no, I think my favourite game has to be Infamous 1. Infamous oh, one. That's a shout. What a game. game. Um, I think I, I've always wanted it. Uh, but obviously, I think at this point, I was in, I think I might have been like, yeah, 9, 10, 11. I was in secondary school. And, you know, jobless, because, you know, I'm in secondary school. Uh, and it was one of those ones where, you know, I only got present, presents, new games, when it was like a birthday and Christmas. And I think, unfortunately, there was just always a game that I wanted a little bit more. So Infamous 1 just kind of, like, fell through the cracks. But then we had the infamous hack of, of something or whatever, and we got, like, four free games. Something was, like, Ratchet & Clank, uh, Wipeout, something else, and then Infamous. And I was so gassed. <laughs> Picked up the game, instantly fell in love with it. It was it was the superhero game that I always wanted. It was the superhero game that Spider-Man couldn't be on the PS1 for me, anyways. Um, I had electric powers. I could I couldn't fly, but I could glide. And like the way the story presents all the powers to you, it's it wasn't a detriment because the game never needed me to fly. I could like parkour and gliding was a lot better because it meant I could just like glide to where the, the enemies were and like building layouts. 
you could always glide from a taller building to like a smaller building. They never put all the dickhead enemies right at the tallest buildings. They were like kind of lower down, so you could you could easily traverse this this town felt like your playground. So that's that's a really good sandbox game right there. And all the powers, you had so many. You could drop lightning bolts from the sky. You could throw like missiles into the sky and then like aim them at someone and have them rain down. Um, you had like lightning bolts. You had precision lightning, which is like a sniper rifle. And the icing on the cake here was when you finally beat the game. Like it wasn't New Game Plus, but it was the other side because it's one of those morality games where there's no point being in the middle. You pick a side, you're fully good or you're fully evil, you're fully left wing or you're fully right wing. And I absolutely <laughs> love that. And then once you like beat the, the game as like the good guy, because I think most people do, like you just play the game for the good yeah. story first. Yeah. And then here's the thing, like the good story teaches you like all the skills, how to avoid pedestrians and whatnot. And you get used to it. Like, but in the back of your mind, you're like, fuck these pedestrians getting in my way. I'm trying to save you. Can you leave? Like these people are shooting guns. Why are you running through? Go around. Then you get to play the evil mode. And it's like the restraints come off and you can just be infamous as the game wants you to. So anyone gets to just kill him, kill him. Like your calm, your calm hasn't gone up a little bit. Just kill some pedestrians. Just kill a ton of pedestrians. And your evil karma good because getting good karma was so long. You had to make sure you did every side mission. You had to make sure you saved people on the street. Because like you could get good karma at the end, but that takes long. Like you want to get good karma, like maximum good karma, ASAP. But when yeah. you're evil, just go around and cause some destruction, kill some police officers, kill some pedestrians. You don't even need to do missions. You can just like go wild. And like all the skills you've learned from playing as the good guy. Like you can, like they're all there and you can go nuts. And the best part was like, I knew I was good at the game when I did the first mission and the game said to me, you did really well at this mission. Would you like to play on hard mode? And I think that's what started my love of hard mode. It was infamous because I did and it wasn't much different. Like I, I knew how to play the game. I just bad everything that came into my way. Like, it, was, it was calm. Ah, yeah, so good. Great story on both sides. So it's not a game where, like, obviously you're you're still repeating a lot of the same missions, but the overall story you get from the game is very different, and things pan out differently. So massive spoiler alert: if you're on like the evil side, you destroy the city and you become so much stronger than you would on the good path, right? Like, finally. A game where you get to be the villain and you succeed and you succeed on such a large scale. He destroyed the city. How many villains can say they've done that? They always build up to it and then nothing. You had the brain from Peaky and the Brain. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do <laughs> jack shit. You had Freezer. You had it all in the palm of his hands and he lost it. You had Mojo Jojo. Absolutely useless. Couldn't oh, wow. do anything. What a waste, man. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all these villains, yeah, who are like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Nah, nah. It's a hot air. Cole McGrath did it. He did it with a smile on his face. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Anyway, sorry, that's that a rant. But yeah, that Infamous was the game. No, I absolutely agree with you. Like, it's 
probably top three. It's probably top two games I ever played in the PS3 era. It was the first game for me that provided a concrete, solid morality system that actually paid attention to the moral system in the game, in the choices, and the story reflected that. I really like the comic book inspiration as well. Mm. The soundtrack was amazing. Even when you hover over the game, because the PS3 menu started to like revolutionize all that stuff. So when you hover over the game before you select it, there was this really uh, short song that plays, but it's really like dark and intimidating. Sick. Um, oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. The villains were really cool. Like, the bosses, awesome. Um, I can't remember the name of the second boss, but I heard that the musicians actually played on Garbage to make that music, that soundtrack. Oh, so they, nice. They actually used Garbage as drums and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm. that was really cool to find out. I think it was yeah. Alden Tate, maybe. Something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, good memory. I mm. think that's right. I really like that point you made about hovering, not not flying, but like a bit of hovering. That just seemed even cooler to me for some reason. Like, yeah, I could fly, but I'm not going to because I don't need to. You just, yeah. oh, so good, so good. Uh, it's not powerful. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna stay here and do my thing. <laughs> like going underground to get new power ups. Sick. There were. I really liked there was this mission this side there was this side mission really early on where you get called to a graveyard and like you go there and then the guy goes, uh, sorry to tell you, Cole, this is a trap. We're here to bury you. And you right there. Just, <laughs> yeah, just fight. So sick. Um, and then when you go in, like, um, because like there's three islands, kind of like GTA, like when you the, the further you play, you get to go to different places. Um, there are more enemies, there's more stuff. And then at a certain point, like um, people are being hung upside down and you can choose to free them mm. or you just leave them to like die. Yeah, so little stuff like that really affected your karma. And um, as you said, like my first run, I was good. There are quite a few moments that are just memorable for me, like finding out who it was that um, is betraying you. Oh, spicy. Um, yes, very spicy. The moment when you let the love of your life, Trish, die oh it's it's just tragic like it's the it's the horrid um one person you really care about and five strangers but they're all doctors which one do you save and um yeah. I, obviously if you're good you're gonna save the majority trish dies mm. it tells you with her last breath that she loves you she loves who you've become use these powers to protect us if you're evil now <laughs> oh, this is and, dark or, or you know if you go for the one person that is your love of your life what happens is you call out her name, Trish, and then she goes, who's Trish? Trish <laughs> <laughs> was one of the others that you, you know, you just left and then she dies. And then with her last breath, she curses you. Um, she, she says that she hates who you've become. You're a scumbag. And that's really, that really hit me. Like, imagine this person that you loved for so long, right? just turning around and like, she's on the deathbed. She's like, I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> that is yeah. that is painful but do you know what like there's one thing that i find really weird about that because 
Trish hated him anyways, like even if you're good or bad, because at the start of the game, she kind of blames him for it. So in my head, I'm just thinking like, if you're taking this dark path, right? Fuck Trish. Like genuinely. No, no, because like, if you're taking this dark path, fuck her. Like, do what you want. Like, I'm so, if it, I think it's a 16 game. I don't think it's an 18 game. And I'm glad it's not because it doesn't need to do the whole like, love story etc etc side plot that would not be needed in this game this was like 18 plus like cole would definitely be shagging other birds like <laughs> he would <laughs> it, like you can't do all this and then be like no trish i want to save you because trish isn't evil like you like you know what trish is like and you're doing all of this nah so i think trish dying but i think the the creators kind of did it as a final push for cole to I guess become evil, but on top of do you know what spoiler alert full full spoiler alert happening? Kessler's a dickhead. Here's why Kessler's a dickhead. All right, he goes back in time so Cole can be strong enough to fight the beast, and he decides to kill the people that Cole loves. You, nah, Kess, this is a bit backwards. All right, make him stronger, yeah, but you don't have to kill them because. If Trish was alive, Cole would still have done all the things he would have done in the game anyways. He would have done them. Because I didn't need to do it. He went too extreme. And you know what? Hearing it, I now agree with Kessler. Oh, he man. went all the way. Oh. He went all the way villain. It makes sense. Oh, you either God. go all the way villain or all the way good. Yeah, you know what? I take it back. Good for Kessler. the right thing. Kessler what? did nothing wrong. Wow. What I'm, I am going to say is Kessler's motivation was for nothing to be in Cole's way when the time came. And whether you want to admit it or not, um, Trish was in the way by being the partner, by being the one constantly lambasting him or coming around to his side when she was convinced that he was actually a good guy. So that was Kessler's mentality there. I guess. Yeah, because like Trish was starting to warm up to Cole but wasn't really on his side until she actually died. And then yeah. when Cole was evil, she was having none of it. And like, yeah. But Kessler, like, he, he went too far, man. Like, he got the job done, but he got the job done. So he <laughs> yeah. could have gone about it a different way. He could have gone full good instead and just impart all his knowledge to Cole. That would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, obviously there's a bit of psychosis going on with uh, Kessler there. He did lose um, his family, so I guess. Yeah, true. I really liked when you were evil, people would throw rocks at you and they'd actually hurt. Like, you would just see, like, blood and stuff. I would, I'd just drop my special on them. Like, yeah, I wouldn't you, care. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah how, how dare you? Do you know who I am? <laughs> did I get you? You're <laughs> even more evil, Carver. <laughs> Oh, it was self-perpetuating. Um, You're going to throw rocks at me? I'm going to kill you. They're going to throw more rocks at me? I'm going to kill you. Perfect. And I do like, if you complete the game on Evil Karma, the sky goes red. That was just such a cool visual. Yeah, yeah that was dope. But I think the annoying thing about that game is, like, other people may play it differently, but it's a game that, like, if you like the game, you really love the game. And when you play it, you just bang it out, and chances are you will 100% it by the time you finish it. So when you do finish it, there's nothing left to do. 
there's genuinely just nothing left to do. And it, it would have been nice if there was a little bit more content, but I can't I can't die on that hill. Because in Infamous 2, when you complete the game, there is user-generated content, and I didn't bother with that at all. I was like, I'm done. So <laughs> yeah, I'll take that back. I haven't even talked about my game. Yeah, let's uh, talk about your favorite PSG. I'm so excited to talk about your game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's got to be God of War 3 for me. Um, oh, yes, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, it's got to be. That's the only game I liked more than Infamous when playing on the PS3 because that was my first game in the God of War franchise. And it was completely different to anything I've ever played before. Like the games I've been telling you in, in the previous generations, none of them are anything like God of War. So. Yeah, that was really cool. Greek mythology is one of the most popular pagan religions out there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like, like everyone knows who Zeus is. Everyone knows who Ares, uh, Athena, and who them are. Everyone knows. So, mm. I really like Santa Monica's approach to that game. Like they kept it true enough that everyone's character was more or less true, but they like fiddled with the stories to make it a bit more entertaining or like mm. to, to suit their agenda. And it didn't yeah. have to fiddle much because Zeus was yeah. <laughs> absolute. Oh, yeah, everything yeah. under the sun was Zeus. Yeah. You, boy, you were going through puberty many times because. Oh goodness! He <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't stop. Trying <laughs> to keep it in his pants, he yeah. really couldn't. Disgusting. He, his power was libido. It wasn't lightning. It was libido. <laughs> That's all he had, and he had it in buckets. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a really fun game. Obviously, three is the finale in the trilogy. So, um, in God of War one, he kills Ares. In God of War two, he kills the sisters of fate, and he scares off Zeus and finds out that Zeus is his son. And by him, I mean Kratos, the main character. And in God of War three, oh, Zeus is his son. No, no, no. Zeus is Kratos' father. When I say, sorry, I I got the wrong way around. But um, in God of War three, Kratos is like. You know, out to kill his father Zeus, and um, yeah, all the gods get in his way, and he's just killing gods left, right, and center. Kills Poseidon, kills Hades, kills Hermes, Helios, Hephaestus, Hera. No one was safe. <laughs> no, one was, yeah, the only one that was safe was Aphrodite. Um, yeah, she gave him and- medals. She was actually a help to Kratos. <laughs> yeah, she, she gave him stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gave him stuff. <laughs> And like that, that larger than life storytelling with all the huge characters, with how big Poseidon was, with how big the Titans were, with you know how big Hercules was when you fought him, and Kratos is—he's a big guy, you know, in his own right. But like, yeah. in comparison with Hercules, even just like looking at that dynamic and be, like thinking, I'm the small guy and I'm gonna win this fight. All right, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah. When you're fighting Kronos, your grandfather who is so big that you're like an itch on him. Like you're crawling all around his body. That is really cool. Um, all the boss fights were memorable. And yeah, it had a really satisfying end in my opinion where you fight Zeus, he runs away. Then you fight Gaia or you fight Zeus in Gaia and you um, stab Zeus through Gaia's heart. Gaia dies. Zeus is still alive. And um a really excellent callback to God of War 1, Kratos relies on the hope that he opened in Pandora's box in the first God of War game to kill Zeus. And then it's revealed that Pandora's box also had fear, which was spread throughout all the gods. And that is why 
the gods turn from um, the, or the gods change from helping him in God of War One to seeking his death in God of War Two and Three, and that was just a really good piece of storytelling. Like it felt like that was the plan from the first game, and I really appreciate stuff like that. So, quick question: Why did Kratos want to kill the gods at the end of God of War Two? I actually can't remember. Well, he wanted to kill Zeus, and then he said, anyone who tries to get in my way will die also. But why Zeus? What happened in God of War 2? I cannot remember. Zeus kills Kratos. Yes, that's it. At the start of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes him out. <laughs> takes out the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I Powers. completely forgot. Yeah, yeah it took his... Yeah. Of course. Mandatory trip to hell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a really... Like and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was, I said that was a really fun game, and um, it was one of the the games that we bonded over as well when we first met. Like that was the game that we played, and yeah, we really liked it. And yeah, yeah. That, that really kicked off the friendship between us. Yeah, I think so. Just mindlessly murdering gods. Yeah, that'll do it. Why not? <laughs> what could you want? It's just a, it's a, it's a fun Friday. It's a fun Friday. Yeah, night. and it was my first flat. Oh. oh, very nice. Yeah, because you did it on Titan mode. Like yeah. I think I tried and I was like, nah, nah, nah Poseidon's kicking my ass. I'm done. I'm so done. You just reminded me about Shafan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so we have a friend who played the game on easy mode and we just kept dogging him for it. <laughs> I mean, looking back on it now, we shouldn't have. We should have been better. We, we, absolutely we need to have. play on easy. Fair enough. <sighs> we, were, we, were ki- we were dumb kids and like that yeah. stuff was funny to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think like we had such a high opinion of Shefan, we were just shocked that he played it on easy. It was yeah, like he did it on normal though. Like yeah. what happened? That's the funny thing, because he could definitely yeah. do it on normal and like yeah, he just didn't choose to. Get <laughs> <laughs> on to like enjoy the story, like unabated. Yeah. Which yeah. is fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Because yeah. I think I when I beat the game, because I think when you beat the game, you don't actually no, I think I had a previous save file just before the Zeus fight. I beat the game and I went back to it without playing the whole game. I just wanted to do the fight again. And Zeus just absolutely beat me up. I went from beating him first time to just getting battered. So, I mean, if you haven't gone through the game to just go to the end point and try and do what you need to do, it's pretty tough. So in that regard, I, I can see why he, he went on easy. But if you play the game, I'm, I'm sure it would have been fine. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we go into the PS4 such a great console this has become one of the top five selling consoles of all time it's cracked the 100 million units milestone absolutely fantastic library do you remember your first ps4 game i think you should go first because what happened last time was we talked about infamous we talked about infamous a lot and we (laughs) and then we didn't give as much time as we should to like god of war so i think i know what yours is and let's give some like love to this game because this game was an absolute banger. I think you should go first. I mean, my first game was FIFA 18. <laughs> oh, who cares? Who cares? Sorry, I thought we were talking about favorite games. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, FIFA 18 was the best game, and that's because the PS4 came with it. And uh, my brother loves FIFA, so we played together. That was again another great bonding exercise for us. So, yeah, um, it was FIFA, but. Um, do you want to quickly go over your first PS4 game? I don't even know. Again, I got three games, but I was a bit older now. Fought my own shit. 
So um, I got Shadow of Mordor. No, yeah, Shadow of Mordor. Really great game uh, for anyone who enjoys Lord of the Rings. It gives you like an alternate tale that I believe is also true and canon. It's about um, Calibrimbor, the guy who who actually forged all of the rings. And in this game, there's another ring that you use to like fight Sauron. And I think you don't actually defeat him, but you do like, you know, drive his plans back. Uh, and I guess just keep him at bay. So I guess the hobbits come in and they get the ring and go to Isengard. So it's, it's a different part of the story, but it's really well told. You get really cool powers. Um, you can brand orcs uh, and either make them fight for you or... and No, I think that's the second game. But in this game, like you, you fight them and you have to like, you know, just destroy all the war leaders. There's like a whole like faction and then if someone kills you they remember that they've killed you and you try to like fight them you know like oh you're back from the dead thought i was finished with you and like it's it's just really good and the second game just made it better i got horizon zero dawn which is an absolutely phenomenal game you haven't played that you should definitely play it and if you've listened to any of our pods i've probably talked about it and you know how much this game bangs so please give that a play you can buy it now for probably like $14.99 and get the whole thing, including DLC. It is so, so worth it, especially with um the the Forbidden West coming out next year at some point on the PS5. It's so worth it. And then I got Assassin's Creed Origins. And this was weird. Like, I didn't actually end up playing it, but I did see a playthrough of it. Bike is awesome. Uh, unfortunately it didn't play like the other Assassin's Creed games which is what I wanted like I know they've gone a different direction with Origins Odyssey and now Valhalla um, but I just didn't really enjoy the playstyle compared to the old Assassin's Creed games so now enough time has passed and I love the show Vikings and Valhalla is coming out I think I'm going to get back into Assassin's Creed and Valhalla at some point because um, I've I've let the old control scheme of Assassin's Creed go, and I'm ready to accept it now as I think it's like a, an RPG now or something. I'm ready to yeah, accept that yeah. that feature. But yeah, those are my uh, first three games. Golden World at the same time, and uh, yeah, fair enough. But the real question: uh, What was your <laughs> favorite game on the PS4? Yeah, I feel kind of guilty now every time you know we get to this point because it's like. Everyone knows what it is. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite No, PS4 that's what I'm saying. In what? exams, you're doing an exam, there's an obvious answer, and you just say to yourself, okay, this is too easy, and I haven't studied enough. Uh, is, is it going to be this obvious? Should I pick this answer? It feels like a trick question. The obvious yeah, answer, yeah. when it's the right answer, it's a dickhead move. <laughs> if I was a teacher, I'd do that. I just put like obvious answers oh, in all my exams. <laughs> Piss everyone off. Yeah, it will be in the question if you can figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah, I do that. You know, I'd hundred percent do that. And then, like, uh, when the kids are like, "Oh yeah, yeah," the answer, blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, the answer to that was this, and everyone's like, "What? Are you serious? No, come on, sir. You took the piss." And I'd be like, "I know. <laughs> you should know what I'm like by now, kids. Go and study. I'd only be a teacher to troll. Yeah." Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's something you should look at. <laughs> nah, I hate kids. I don't hate kids, I just don't like them that much. 
Ah, yes. Yeah, that minor detail of being a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> that one thing might hold me back in the interview. So, uh, what do you love about kids? Nothing. That's not here to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to be a teacher and you ask, oh, why do you want this job? I want money, fam. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not wrong. I think we all do for jobs we work. Yeah, it's not wrong, but it's not the answer we're looking for. That's uh, the answer, <laughs> not all. Well, yeah, favourite PS4 game. I've, yeah, like, I can't lie, it's God of War. It's my favourite game of all time, I think. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. And I think it's because I've gone back after God of War 3 to play God of War 1, God of War 2, God of War 3 again. And now I've played um, God of War. Uh, so I've appreciated Kratos' journey, how he started off as a cocky captain. And then he gained god powers. He lost them all. Then he killed all the gods. And uh, God of War 3 was really the death of Kratos as the Greek per- mm-hmm. version, um, as he metaphorically and literally stabbed himself. And now he's trying to find a new beginning, a new Kratos. And he's in this Norse land now with the Norse gods. And he's got a new family. It, it, I'm, I'm glad to say he didn't kill them this time. And yeah, he's just such, he, he, he got the worst upbringing. So he doesn't know how to bring up his son. And that's like the big obstacle. So obviously you've got enemies, the gods of Norse mythology, but you've also got parenting to consider as well. How do you be a good father and a good um protector yeah and there's just so much to to look at when it comes to this game the graphics are immense and every generation we're like oh look how good the graphics are and then the next gen comes we're like oh that look that trash yeah yeah <laughs> um and um that just so there's so much to talk about i like how everything in the game had meaning so right at the start kratos says to his son don't Think about how the game is different. You know, it, it is what it is. Just enjoy it, the ride. A subtle hint to the viewer. Just if you've if you've played the previous God of War games, please don't have that notion while playing this one. And it's very clear that the team who made the game, uh, the Santa Monica Studio, had matured as well as the gamers who enjoyed the previous God of War games. And it was just complete, you know, synchronization as to the creator and the consumer. Uh, because if they continued making the God of War games of old, they would eventually they would eventually die out, or you know they would make an average game. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I was trying not to mention it by name, but yeah, there we go. Um, Ascension was not a good game, and that was kind of like a glimpse into what would happen if Santa Monica couldn't reinvent the wheel. They eventually die out with these Kratos games and stuff like that. And yeah, they they really did a good job reinventing themselves and their universe going into Norse mythology. I thought the cast was really, really amazing. Um, Judge was amazing. I use this comparison. I think Guts is anime Kratos in the way that their lives have been horrible, um, but they are really good people deep down, even though they don't seem like it. And um, yeah, Guts has now grown a party of people he can stand to be around. And uh, yeah, Kratos has got his son that he loves more than himself. Lots of Easter eggs that reward you if you have played the previous games, but it doesn't penalize you if you haven't. So they do a good job of getting that balance right because they know they got a whole new demographic to market towards. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many people that said, oh, I never played any of the old God of War games, but this new game really appealed to me and I really liked it. 
And um, that's exactly what they were going for. They were trying to keep all the old fans and get new fans as well. And I think they really did a good job at that. The end of the game leaves more questions than answers because we find out that um, the stranger who um, attacked creators at his home at the start of the game was actually um, the half-brother of Thor going by Boulder. And at the start of the game, you think that Boulder thinks, um, you think that Boulder knows that Kratos is a Greek god, you know, long way from home, aren't you? Um, you guys are enlightened and special. And then it's only at the end of the game you realize that Boulder thinks Kratos is a giant. Mm-hmm. And the line still works, but it has a different connotation now, where, you know, Boulder thought Kratos um, was one of the giants who traveled from Jotunheim and got trapped. And it's, it's so good. There's so many layers to this game. Again, the, the studio stay as close as they can to the original tales, but they, they do divert in games to make uh, at parts at times to make the game more interesting. So Boulder is impervious to anything other than Mistletoe. That's still canon. So uh, there was a bit in the game, in the middle of the game, where I think I think it's Sindri. He gives Atreus um, Mistletoe arrows. And at the start, at that point in the game, you're like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Unless you really know your Norse tales, because uh, Boulder punches the mistletoe arrow, and then I'm like, oh crap, this is it. Yeah, it's happening. that was um, so good. The type of relationship Kratos and the trees have kind of changes, mm. and at the, end of the game, you kind of worry whether it's going to get stale because uh, it's just the two of them. They're telling stories. That's cool, but you know, there can't be that many stories, or you're going to have to repeat. And then they get Mimir in the middle of the game, and he really refreshes the game mid-game. He adds this third layer of information and also mystery because he knows all of the gods, but he doesn't know that much. So throughout the game, he's like, oh, uh, Boulder's allergic to something, but I can't remember what. He has a weakness. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so like, there's little hints here and there. And of course, the big reveal at the end is Atreus revealing that he his his... Uh, original name was going to be Loki. I felt really proud for figuring that out before the end of the game. Yeah, just because when it comes to the Norse mythology, everyone knows about Thor and everyone knows about Odin, but everyone also knows about Loki. So Loki's got to be there somewhere. And he wasn't mentioned anywhere. I didn't think Boulder was Loki because Loki by nature isn't very gruff, very violent. He's very um, smart. He's very mischievous. He, he would probably take the back seat, use some sort of trickery, and it wasn't till this point in the middle of the game where the world serpent, uh, Jormungandr, comments that uh, Atreus is familiar to him. He, he, you know, the boy, you know, I feel like I recognize this guy. So that was my first hint, because I know the world serpent comes from Loki. And uh, when Kratos tells his son that, you know, I'm a god, so, I'm, well, I'm half a god, so you're a quarter god. The first thing that Atreus says is, can I turn into an animal? And if you know anything about Norse tales, you know that Loki turns into a horse and you know he turns into other animals. So that was it for me. I was like, yeah, this guy's Loki. Like grandfather, but... like grandson. <laughs> oh boy. So he's had a fetish <laughs> turn into animals and, you know, just, yeah, just exactly. laying of everything. So There's does Atreus. There's another yeah. layer of it. Yeah. Uh, but the, the game does leave a few mysteries because there's a mural at the end uh, it appears Kratos is dying, and Atreus out of Atreus' mouth comes the serpent that goes into Kratos' mouth. So fans were theorizing that Kratos is going to become the world serpent, or Atreus is going to kill Kratos and continue the cycle. 
And uh, there was a moment in, I'm never gonna forget about this. There was a moment where Kratos was taking Atreus to the witch and someone blew the horn. And the only people that blew the horn previously were Kratos and Atreus. So who blew the horn? And people were theorizing that it was one of the gods or it was someone who came back in time. And I really wanna know who did it. I can't wait for the Ragnarok game in 2021. I hope it's 2021. I really hope it comes out in 2021. I don't want it to come out late. Because they've had three years. That would have been three years. You can do it in three years. Yeah, they can do it. Like I I I won't complain at delay. Like the world is gone yeah, to that's you know, true. But yeah, like I, I'm I'm ready for that new game, man. The minute and... it comes, find the PS5. <laughs> that is, that is it. That's the buy the PS5 switch. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and yourself, what was your favorite PS4 game? So, like, obviously, God of War is up there, hundred percent, and nothing will ever detract from that. But the fact that this game was something that I always wanted on the PS4 ever since I saw it, and like, it didn't come out of nowhere because, like, I've known about it for a while before I got my PS4, but um, like, it didn't have it didn't have a a God of War or God of War 2, or a Chains of Olympus, or like Chains of Sparta for it to be so good. Like God of War took five games to not include in Ascension to get to where it is now. Horizon Zero Dawn just comes out of the woodwork and is amazing from the start. Yeah, um, the only, yeah there's only one thing that you can fault it for, and it's not even a big deal because it's it's not a game for parkour like the 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 traversal isn't always that great so when you're like climbing up a mountain there's one specific place to go but the game isn't about that um so i don't i don't detract any points from that it's such a little nitpick everything else in the game is absolutely breathtaking and amazing um the main character literally like you see her as a kid and her essence is still there when she grows up. So she's this girl who who doesn't get her position in life. So she is raised by an outcast and she's an outcast herself, but she hasn't done anything wrong. Um, it's just the circumstances of her birth. And, you know, as Mewtwo tells us, it's not the circumstances of one's birth that's important. It's what we choose to do with our lives. Um, and Aloy is clearly a big fan of Pokemon because she takes this philosophy to heart and <laughs> that's very martin luther king of mew <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a big martin luther king fan maybe um yeah i mean he can read books so you know maybe he's you know going through the archives but yeah so aloy uh from a young age like she she doesn't get the status quo because it's illogical it doesn't make sense like why are they outcasts what have they done um, but it's just a, a, a backwards thing that they have in community because basically the world is a post-apocalyptic, not wasteland, but land. There's all this like, you know, really advanced tech in the form of prehistoric dinosaurs that are machines, so machine dinosaurs roaming the land. And that is explained in the story as well. So like, that's what I love. The one of the things that relates to like the core gameplay is also like deeply rooted in the story. And I think that's just really good game design. But so without wanting to spoil anything, uh, she flipping heck, 
lost my point. But going back to Aloy, um, she doesn't understand the status quo, and you know, it makes sense that she fights it because it is very logical. That's my point. They've mankind has like descended back into like the stone age to a sense. Like they the things they do just aren't logical. So they have all these like backwards cultures that they stick to, even though they don't make sense. Um, and Aloy is just breaking the status quo from the very beginning. So I think there's a point where she saves someone at the start of the game. And then the dad finds the kid and the dad's like, don't speak to her. Cause if you interact with the, the outlaws, outlaws, I think that's what they're, outcasts, you become an outcast yourself. So stupid. Like mm-hmm. what is going on? Um, and it's just, it's probably just a set of rules that someone at the very beginning of the clan made just to keep power or something or get rid of the people who oppose or think because like, you know, a lot of leadership, a lot of like these big roles hate free thinkers because it challenges the status quo. But that's what you need for growth. Um, Aloy, you know, goes on her journey and like, everyone she meets, like she, she helps them out because it's just the right thing to do. Or like it's just the logical thing to do. Like she's gonna make you know um, allies, and she's got like a really like strong heart, a good sense of morality, and like she just does the right thing where she can, and like she applies a lot of logic to situations as well. And but anyway, that's that's the character Aloy. The gameplay, beautiful stuff, because it's weird. Like you are this this hunter gatherer that's using bows and arrows. So yes, like it's it's not very, I guess, futuristic in that sense. But your bows and arrows do certain things. Well, there are arrows that do tear damage, and tear damage just means you 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 break components off of these machines, which makes them weaker. Which means you get to their weak spots. So like maybe their their fuel cell or their power cell, you can shoot that for more damage. But then the components, when they drop off, you can pick them up. So now you've got more components to build stuff to make you stronger to kill them. Um, it's just, just really nice, you know, cycle. Obviously, like, you know, like in a lot of these games, there's always the the mandatory, like, fox or hare that you have to shoot down and kill because it means you can, like, you know, make more stuff. So you can, like, increase your bow quiver, et cetera, et cetera, hold more bows, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I'm just rambling right now. The game is absolutely amazing. And when you play it, it just kind of sucks you in because there's so much to do. There's so much to play with. The the skill tree there's so much to do there because there are like three different paths and it all affects your play style so you can be more of a hunter gatherer you can just be someone who just like goes straight into the action and fights everything or you can be someone who's a bit more stealthy um i kind of picked the the more like stealthy hunter gatherer role so i'd literally just set bear traps and then just, just kill everything in the game and like because of the way the enemies are everything is sort of a boss everything like in the world you can fight and you can take down and you can go to like the one of the strongest machines at the start of the game and get absolutely bodied by it but if you're smart enough and like you you craft and like forge the right things you can take it out quite early like don't do that don't deprive yourself of story but it's just a rich experience with a great story and you know i can't recommend it enough but anyone literally if anyone comes to me and is like let's talk about horizon zero dawn we will sit there for hours and talk like it is it's just a game that's just got so much content. DLC came out. DLC is great. Um, unfortunately, I haven't finished it. Not because it's bad, but just because, you know, like, you play something and you get to a point and, like, you hit the end point and then you just stop. That's what happened with me. And then I played the DLC and it just wasn't quite right because, I, for me, I think I need to go back to the start of Rising Zero Dawn, play that, uh, and then <laughs> go into DLC. Like, I left that gap and, like, that's yeah, not yeah. Like, like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'll just wait until Frozen Wilds. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, Zero Dawn was my favorite game on PS4, and it is it's absolutely phenomenal. Great protagonist, nice. great story. The game looks great. The gameplay, absolutely amazing. I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. It is a such a good game, and mm-hmm. I still complete it. It's so good. Yeah, put it in your PS4, like, and it's also backwards compatible. So when you get a PS5, you can yes, still play it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. no excuses. Best uh, play that game. <laughs> I will be playing it, fam. I want to yeah, complete good. it before, before Forbidden West. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, do that. I mean, okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean like, <laughs> we haven't mentioned, but are the solid games, at least 8 out of 10s on the PS4. Marvel, Spider-Man, solid game. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2, great game. Ghost of Tsushima, what a game. Oh, Last of Us game. 2, what a game. Like, all of these games are just fantastic they push the boundaries of what gaming is even more and it's like we're getting interactive movies we're getting interactive stories interactive books and like we're being we're able to just be other people in this other escape in this other Mm -hmm. way of living like it it's it's so great these games that we've got and um there's so many games coming out for the for the uh ps5 um, but let us know what your favorite PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 game was. If we named your favorite game for any of those consoles, give us a like. Let us know. Tweet us. Po- uh, hit us up on Instagram. And now to end things, I would like for you to let me know what your most anticipated PS5 game is as of right now. Oh. So once upon a time... It was Miles Morales, but I'm hearing that the game can be completed in nine hours. I think it's nine hours. It's, it's a very short time. And if you do everything, I think like 17 hours, if you do everything in the game. And that's a really, really short game that they're charging me full price for. And like, I want to support it because, yeah, Miles Morales, let's go. But oh, next gen gaming is gonna be very, very expensive. And yeah. if I already had a PS5, I'd get Miles Morales. Uh, to be fair, I can get it on PS4. I might just get it on PS4. Um, so see, it's not a PS5 game. I'm excited yeah. for now. It's a PS4 game. I'm excited for. <laughs> um, because I'm not paying like what that would be. Because I'm gonna get the discless, the disc version, which is I think four fifty. Yeah. Uh, I'm not paying five hundred pounds to play a seven-hour game. That's that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So I'm gonna get a PS4. Uh, so I think it's Deathloop. It's Deathloop. Oh, yes, Deathloop yes, is yes, I'm looking yes, forward yes. to. Yeah, oh. yeah, Deathloop. I was thinking, oh, it's gonna have to be God of Four, but no, Deathloop is coming out. Yeah, no, that game looks really good, it's and a I can't. Bethesda game? Not yeah. Yeah. It's- Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, it's not even the gameplay I'm excited for. It's just the concept, like the story. Like every night, you have to kill a certain amount of people, and if you don't do it, you you basically get killed. And then in one of the demos we saw, you kind of have to like try and get more than one person into the same place to make it easier to kill them. But all the while, there's this assassin trailing you, trying to kill you before you can kill them. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really good. I might be wrong, but I think you can play as the woman as well. Might need a fact check on that, but either way, yeah, like, just the concept yeah. of the game. Can you? Sweet. 
Uh, the game concept sounds really good, so I'm excited for it. Like, it's something that maybe none in the past before. I don't know, but I haven't played anything like this, so I'm looking forward to it. And you know, it's it's great to see the two main characters being black. Um, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, um, I think for me, I think out of games that are going to be out on launch, it's definitely Spider-Man Miles Morales. Out of everything that's been announced, it's probably God of War Ragnarok, and I'm not sorry because that game is going to be sick. Yeah, I'm so excited for Deathloop. I'm so excited for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I'm very excited for oh, yeah. Horizon Forbidden West. There's mm. so many great games still to come. This is one of the strongest launch lineups for a new console, in my opinion. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. But, yeah, God of War Ragnarok definitely takes the cake for me just because I'm looking for answers for questions in the previous game, and I can't wait for that full-on war. Like, it's going to be massive. Mm -hmm. yeah. 100% uh, agree. Like, a part of me is tempted to, to go online and look at theories for God of War, but I don't want to. I want to just experience it fresh, and I want to kill the fat Dobo myself. I want to get my hands on Zeus. <laughs> I want to take his hammer. The Leviathan axe is sick. Imagine if it could spit lightning. Ooh, it's gonna be so sick. I would yeah, love it wait. if you could take Thor's Mjolnir. You know, like in the old God of War games, you could take certain enemies' weapons. Oh, if you could take yeah. the I think they're leaving like a good idea slash money on the table if you're not allowed to take Mjolnir. Like mm -hmm. it wouldn't make sense. And they've already got the the axe throwing mechanic and all that. So you might as well just you know do you know what Mjolnir's do you know what Mjolnir is gonna be? It's gonna be the Nemean Cestus from God of War 3.2. That's what it's gonna be. Does, oh my days. Yo. I'm so hungry for that. <laughs> That's how they sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> But let us know what your most anticipated PS5 game is so far. Is it a game that's going to be out for the launch lineup? Or is it a game coming out in 2021? Let us know. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. If you wouldn't mind, would you kindly follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Streamcast underscore. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Streamcast. Follow us on Twitch, Streamcast TV. And if you feel so inclined, would you kindly check out our Patreon? We have three tiers that you can find out all in the description box below. Um, we would like to give our monthly shout out to our, our official Patreon, Spilt Milk Studios, who really helped us out. They hooked us up with Tango Fiesta and Fascism Fighters 4000, which is an absolutely fun game. It's, you're just shooting. You're just shooting. It's on Steam. It's fantastic. A link to that will be in the description as well. And our early bird patrons, Melanin Gamers, who are also our prominent Black people of the month for November. So please give them your support. Follow them on every platform you can. They are really great people. If you'd like to be a patron yourself, you can find out how to do so in the description. And of course, you know, wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, yeah, show your support for that. You know, leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or your platform if you can. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, that is it for us. I've been Andrew Ryan. I've been Frank Fontaine. And yeah, that has been the Streamcast. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. We are all in this together. We will see you on the next Streamcast. <laughs>